God bless you as we seek the Lord together for the year 2022. This is STL 22. Good morning. We are getting into our Ruth week. So let's open up with some prayer, everyone. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for blessing us with another day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for your presence in our life. Thank you for being our deliverer, for helping us, for catering to our needs, for providing for us. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you. And today, we have shown up to hear from you. We want to hear more of your word. We want to learn um, some insight concerning who we are and the seasons in life we'll find ourselves in as we grow closer and closer to you in Jesus' name. So God, we want to hear from you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would use my mouth to relay this message the way you want it to be relayed to your daughters in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you. We love you. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So you all, I heard a very interesting quote today while I was doing some um, coursework with another uh, student at the school I am currently attending. And of course, we talk about um, well-being and things that pertain to life and overall health. And she said something and I'm like, let me, can I use that? Because that was good. And so I want to hand this over to you all. And um this is the phrase with acceptance comes freedom wait a minute <laughs> i'm gonna say that again all right i'm gonna say it again it was deep it was deep with acceptance comes freedom oh my goodness oh my goodness like, first of all, let me just put this here. You may not like every situation in your life and you can come to a point where you accept that you're not going to live that way anymore. And there's your freedom right there. But with acceptance comes freedom. My God, it's when we are not willing to accept the truth, accept the circumstances, accept God's will for our life that we experience so much frustration. We experience so much confusion. We experience a lack of clarity, but with acceptance comes freedom. Even when we accept Jesus, we receive freedom. With acceptance comes freedom. And I thought that was so profound. And I thought it had so many layers to it. And I feel like it can be applicable to just about anything that you have to accept. And um, I thank God that she said that. And I thank God that I'm able to share that with you. And I pray that it enriches your life. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. It reminded me when she said it, I heard the scripture, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. With acceptance of our Lord, there is freedom. Oh my goodness. And um, just in life, when we accept certain things, um, we receive that freedom from, from frustration and fighting against, um, you know, the will of God for our lives or fighting against whatever he has designed to process us. When we accept it, we receive our freedom and we're able to freely be who God created us to be. So um, hmm, I wonder if this applies to Ruth in any way. It seems like she did not fight against her circumstances and she also did not run, but actually she accepted it and she worked with it. She didn't run from it. And I believe by the spirit of the living God that she is an awesome example 
glory to the name of the Lord of a woman. And can we add this to the new covenant that we're in? She's an awesome example of a Christian person, of a saint. Her character, um, this character she displayed is not something that we typically see. It's not something that is highly esteemed among leaders, but we're going to get into scripture about what God says concerning his leaders and um, what we can extract from Ruth. Okay. So the book of Ruth is um, several chapters long. It's not a very long book, but I will not belabor you. Um, my dear siblings in Christ, I'm not going to read the entire book of Ruth, but I can give you a little bit of backstory. Okay. Ruth was married to someone by the name of Milan. Okay. His father was Elimelech and his mother was Naomi and they lived in Moab. Okay. But, um, were originally from Bethlehem. Judah. And um, Ruth's father-in-law, Elimelech, he dies. And so now it's Naomi, it's Milan, it's her other son, Chileon. It is um, Chileon's wife, Orpah, and it is Milan's <laughs> wife, Ruth. Okay. So we have Naomi, her two sons, Milan and Chileon, and we have Ruth and Orpah. And by chance, or destiny, I don't know how to categorize this because it's such an unsavory story. Naomi's two sons die. And we know about the history of um, that culture that the son was supposed to take care of the mother. The father was no longer around and the son took care of the mother. He has assumed that role as head of the household. He took care of his mom, his wife, and all the other women. And so she had two sons. Now one goes and she says, okay, well, there's hope in another. And then the other goes, my goodness, my goodness. So what happens to Naomi? It's she inherits hopelessness. There's no one to take care of her. There's no one to feed her. There's no one to shelter her. And so Naomi finds herself in a place where she says, well, I have to leave Moab because the sense of security that I had here all died. And I have to go back to my family. I have to go back to my country. I have to go back to where I'm from. Now, if Naomi's sons would have had children, then her story wouldn't have been as sad, but her sons died in such an untimely manner that they didn't even get to have children. So let's get into the etymology of her son's names. Let's see what her son's names mean. Okay, Milan means weak and sick, and Chilion means at an end finished and some people even interpret it as destruction. And so even though there seems to be no account as to how her sons both passed away, it is thought that the meaning of their names actually give us insight into how they passed away. Okay. So Naomi, she is left sunless. She's left without an heir and she has to go back home. And all she has is two daughter-in-laws. And so she's on her way back home and she looks at her daughter-in-laws and she says, listen, go back to your home, go back to your family. You know, there's still hope for you. 
there's no hope for me. And they said, no, we don't want to leave you. You know, they're crying and stuff. And she says, listen, even if I, even if I met someone, you know, I found a husband in, we're married tonight and conceived tonight. <laughs> Are you really going to stay around and wait for my sons to grow up so that you can marry them? Are you going to allow that to stop you from living your life and having a husband? She says, no, no, you know, you're not going to have the same fate as me. You're not going to sit here and um, not have a future and not have a husband and not have a man to take care of you. Go back to your family. Go back to your gods. And that phrase right there shows how Naomi's heart was. And it's not anything, um, you know, to speak against her, but she felt like God had dealt bitterly with her. She felt like she had been given a really, for lack of better explanation, a bad hand. And she said, go back to your gods. You know, I guess she couldn't explain what was going on between her life and her God. So she tells them, you go back to where you're from. You go back to your gods. Let me go. Okay. Let me go. Cause there's nothing else I can do for you. And you know, she actually has said in verse 13 in chapter one, she says, it grieves me much. You know, it hurts me so much because of you for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me like this. You know, I feel sorry for you all. I know these were your husbands, but for some reason, the men in my life were all taken from me. And I'm sorry. I feel bad. I want you both to go back and have a life. And so Orpah, she says, okay, she goes back. Her name literally means back. It means the back of a neck or um, stiff neck. It means like the, the neck area, but the back of it. Okay. And so um, Orpah literally goes back. But Ruth says, um, she's not going back. <laughs> she says, don't try to tell me to leave you. Don't beg me to leave you or to go back from following after you. She says, wherever you go. And this is in verse 16 of chapter one. That's where I'm going. Okay. And she says, wherever you lodge, wherever you're staying, that's where I'm staying. And she says, your people are my people and your God is my God. She says, where you die. I'm going to die and there will I be buried. Okay. And she says, the Lord do to me, do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part me and thee, she says, uh-uh, let God cause um, destruction to come upon me and even something greater than death and destruction. If I let anything but death, um, come between you and I. So Ruth says, I'm going to stay with you. So I want to extract the heart of a person who literally has nothing to gain from seemingly nothing to gain from a situation and who could actually go back. They're still young. You know, they have no children. They can go back to their family. They can meet someone. They can return to their way of life, the way they grew up, what they were familiar with. And think about the heart that Ruth had to have in order to say the things she said. In order to say, I'm not leaving this woman by herself. I'm going to be with her until death. So let's talk about um, Ruth, her name. Her name means friendship in Hebrew, okay? But I want to tell you all what, what Ruth's name means in English, okay? I was like amazed by this. I had no idea. And I just felt the spirit of the Lord just stirring within me and bubbling up within me as I read the definition of Ruth. 
And Ruth has a much deeper meaning in English than it does in Hebrew. And this is something that's not typical <laughs> um, because her her name in the, the meaning of her name in English actually details the type of friend she is. Okay. It details the type of friendship she gives. So, um, Ruth means compassion for the misery of another. That's literally with what her name means. And it also means sorrow for your own faults. That if there's anything that you're doing wrong or have done wrong, you actually feel bad about it. So you can see where Ruth is like, no, 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 I can't do this. So we see her name in action. We see all of their names in action, honestly, um, throughout this, um, this account of what happened to them. So she has compassion for the misery of another person. This is what her name means. And she feels sorrow for her own faults. And her name is synonymous with so many words that are preceded with hearted. Listen, her name, a synonym for the word Ruth is big hearted, warm hearted, large hearted, kind hearted, good hearted, and soft hearted. Another, um, other synonyms for her name is um, charity, uh, compassion, kindness, sympathy, pity, mercy, and you all, when I was reading this, I'm like, is this real? Like, is this really what Ruth means? And then what um, I saw was the word ruthless. Do we know what ruthless means? We know that word. We are familiar with it. Okay. It's a compound word. And the root of that is Ruth. Okay. So when someone is ruthless, that means they are void of compassion for the misery of another. They have no sorrow for their own faults. They have no sympathy. They have no pity. They have no mercy. They're not warm hearted, large hearted, kind hearted, good hearted, soft hearted, or big hearted. There's no charity or compassion in them when a person is ruthless. Let me tell you all something. We want to be a Ruth. We want God to look at us and be able to trust us when another person is down, when another person is going through something. And I'm not going to say just any old body. First of all, you have to be directed by the Holy Spirit to who um, you're going to be a Ruth in the life of. But this is actually a prophetic season. And we see this season preparing Ruth to be such a blessing and to be rewarded. This woman called out of this heathen nation, her ancestors, her family, not even, we don't even have to take it back and use that word ancestors. Her family are worshipers of Baal Peor, the thing that got a whole bunch of Israelites killed, um, the worshiping that thing. You know, Ruth, her family, she separated from them. And it's believed that, of course, before she was married, she converted to Judaism and and um, married uh, Milan. But the, the place that she comes from, I mean, <laughs> for her to turn and have this heart, for her to come from such a ruthless people and have this heart, this heart of servitude towards someone who is going through a difficult time in their life, who is just experiencing a need. What a woman, what a woman. She literally unlearned everything that she knew. And she followed this, this level of compassion that is not 
seen very often. It's pretty rare. It's pretty rare for a person to want to serve someone in this manner. She sees that Naomi has nothing left. She doesn't even know where Naomi is about to lodge, but she says, I'm going to stay with you because you need me. Okay. You need me. Glory to the name of the Lord. And um, we really will come into a season where we have to display this character. And think about the fact that Ruth, this, Moab, this um, Moabitess, this woman from Moab, think about the heathen, the little heathen background I just gave you and the, the goodness in her heart, okay? And God orchestrating her destiny and controlling her destiny caused her to be the grandmother or great grandmother to David not the king, but not just that. Her heart and, and her conversion purified her bloodline so much that she was found worthy to have something to do with the conception of Jesus Christ, that her blood was somewhere in his earthen veins. And that right there is really deep. Okay. And that was all destiny for her. But could you imagine if she was like Orpah, she would have missed her destiny. And Ruth, another thing that really sticks out to me about Ruth is that she did receive this blessing in Boaz, right? And she was able to conceive and she bared this son and she gave the son right to Naomi to nurse. But this raised up a name for, for Elimelech's son. This, this thing that Ruth did wasn't for her. It wasn't for her gratification. It wasn't for her, um, what promotion or for her glory. Rather, this thing was actually for someone else, but she took it on. She did everything right. She was obedient. She was humble. She was kind hearted. She had pity, she had mercy, and she was so focused on what she can do to be a blessing to someone else that she wasn't even thinking about what she can get out of it for herself. Think about the fact that Naomi is the one who coached her on how to even approach Boaz, how to get him, where to go, and all of that. Naomi is the one who said, listen, you need a place of rest. I want to find, um, you have to find a place of rest with the husband. And you know, there is someone, Naomi put this together. Ruth was going to just stick it out with her through whatever circumstances. So this right here is for every person who has had a prophetic word <laughs> go, um, over their lives about how great they're going to be about how anointed they are about how they're going to be such a blessing to others and what God is going to use them to do and all about their spiritual gifting and about who they're going to marry and how great their spouses are going to be. This, this right here is for you. You're in this prophetic timeline on your way to all that glory on your way to your Boaz and you know, um, your baby and whatever that, um, materializes as, right. I mean, it can be an actual husband in the family, or it can be something spiritual, your ministry, and then your husband and family down the line, whatever it is that God has um, spoken concerning your life. Okay. Before you get to that place, you will be required to humble yourself and dutifully serve someone <laughs> 
without even knowing when you're going to, when this season of servitude will come to an end. So you're going to have to dutifully serve someone and just be in service to someone or something to your Christian community. I don't know, but I'm telling you, this is a real season and we all have found or will find ourselves in it because God always causes people to humble themselves before he exalts them. So think about the fact that Ruth watched everything that she had crumble and literally die. Think about the fact that she didn't know where she was going or where food and provision was really coming from, even though we know it's coming from the Lord. She didn't express that she knew that. She just said, listen, um, Naomi, wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. Okay. I'm, I'm staying with you. Nothing is going to separate me from you, but death. Okay. She was willing. She gave up everything. She gave up her family. She gave up seemingly what she would consider a future with a husband and children to serve this woman. Now, Naomi, her name actually means pleasant and delightful and lovely and sweet. So God called Ruth to serve someone um, who was going through a trying season in their life, going through something, going through something that caused them to need some help. It doesn't even mean that, you know, um, God will send you to someone who doesn't have anything and who's homeless or anything like that. But it literally can be just to fill a need that they have, because sometimes we all need help and we don't know how that help <laughs> will be needed. But at some point in our lives, we will need someone to be of assistance and service to us in the things that we're going through. And God doesn't just allow anyone to be our servant. So we're going to get into what God is looking for when he calls one person to serve another. And I know this is a very surprising season, but I want us to look at it at, uh, for what it is. Okay, listen to this. During our Eve season, we're being designed by God. You know, he is molding us. He's given us our assignment. He's shaping us up and preparing us and imparting into us everything that we're going to need to do it. And then we enter into our Rebecca season where we are designed and we've been imparted to. And now God is um, pushing us forward in our gifting and in the call that he placed upon our life. And we've said yes to our destiny, but somewhere, somewhere in between God using you to be a deliverer for his people and setting you up in the kingdom and putting you in a place and position of favor in between your Rebecca season of finding out how anointed you are and saying yes to God's destiny and saying yes to the call and learning about your spiritual gifting between that and the throne. There is this Ruth season where God says, yes, you're going to be great. Now I need you to humble yourself and serve my child. I need you to humble yourself and be there for someone who needs you. Okay, this is not all about you. And so he does this to begin to implement and impart into us and cause that um, character um, in us to begin to grow. Um, so we don't just say that we're humble and it's true. 
we actually have to demonstrate our humility. We actually have to demonstrate our willingness to serve. There are so many people who, you know, want to jump into popularity and want to jump onto your television screens and, you know, who want to have tons of followers and just be so well known. And they believe that that means that they've arrived. But can you imagine that you've really arrived when you realize that it's not even about that, but that if you're really going to be great in the sight of God, you have to humble yourself all the way down. So that means that your name may never be known globally. Can you imagine that? That you may never even have a social media page. God may not even allow you to have one of those, <laughs> let alone having a bunch of followers on it. You just don't know exactly how this thing is going to come about, but God is always going to cause his servants to live in a season of humility and servants, service, excuse me, to someone else. Okay. So for us, we consider, you know, a person who is a servant to be not important. And we have this thing where everybody wants to be important, but God has his own definition of um, a servant. Okay. And so we want to follow that scriptural um, definition of what a servant is. So when we want to prove our worthiness of the call that God has placed on our lives and all of those wonderful, beautiful spiritual gifts, we want to prove our worthiness of those things. We have to first answer the call to humble ourselves and serve or provide companionship to someone who God says is beautiful and pleasant in just encountering a time of need. And I think it's a beautiful thing when God chooses you to fill that void in someone whom he delights in, okay, in their life. That's a beautiful thing. That's an honor for God to call on you and say, listen, I know someone who's sweet. I know someone who's pleasant. I know someone who's beautiful and they need you. It's such an honor for God to call you into that type of service, okay? Turn with me to Psalm 101, and we're going to go to verse 6. So the 101st Psalm, the 6th verse. And I know, how many of us expected this season? A season, literally, a prophetic season where God says, yeah, there's some great things coming for you, but I need you to humble yourself and serve. Wow. Psalm 101, verse 6, it says, Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, they that may dwell with me, that they may dwell with me, excuse me. So he's saying, listen, only people who are faithful, only people who are committed to you are able, are going to be able to stay with me. And then it says something very interesting. He that walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. So the psalmist here is saying... <laughs> I need a servant. I need someone to stay with me, but it's not going to be just anyone. I want someone to serve me who is faithful to you and walks perfect before you. So you have to understand that when God is calling you into service to his people, it is a very well-favored call. Do you understand that? God is saying, you have been faithful to me. You have been walking perfect before me and I want to glorify you. I want to add a season of glory and reward and all types of abundant outpouring in your life. But before you get there, I want you to really put that 
faithfulness and that perfection um, on display. And I want you to serve. I want everyone to see what that really looks like. Because again, we have this idea that a servant is not important, but that's not true. That is not true whatsoever. That word perfect in Psalm 101 verse six means blameless, without spot, without blemish, undefiled, sincere, sound, complete. Can you imagine can you imagine that? That God says the people who are living a sanctified, holy lifestyle without spot and blemish, the people who are complete and sincere and undefiled before me, the people who are of a sound mind, mm, those are the people that I'm going to call upon to be servants to my sons and daughters. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? How awesome is our God? How awesome is our God? I pray that we're taking this in and I pray that we're applying this um, to our lives. And I know so many of us, <laughs> we want to be great. Okay. We want to get to the good part. We want to get to the meat of those prophetic words we've received and those dreams we've had. Like I'm always seeing myself healing and I'm always seeing myself performing miracles. And I'm always, I feel like I'm always prophesying and the Lord is speaking to me. And God is like, yeah, I've put things in you. I've placed things in you for my glory. I want to use you. But before you get to that platform, I need you to abase yourself and I need you to become a servant. Turn with me to Matthew 23 verse 11. Okay. We're going to start there, Matthew 23 and 11. And it says, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Wow. So the greatest among you, the ones who are the greatest among you are your servants. So first of all, let me say this. We should all be serving one, one another. We should be serving each other. However, there is a season that comes into the life of every believer. And this season is prophetic where God says, go and serve this individual. I'm calling you away from everything you know, and this is what I want you to do for this season. Go and serve these people in your church. You know what? Go and serve this person over here. Go and serve your brother in the Lord over here, or go and serve your sister in Christ over here. God will call you into service. And that, that season, that prophetic season, it may seem like a low season, it may seem like the season that no one else is paying attention to, but there are angels literally documenting your heart. There are angels documenting your thoughts. There are angels documenting your, your desires, and they're seeing how you're doing, what you're doing. Remember, the Bible doesn't just tell us that Rebecca just went on ahead and got his, um, his animals some water. It says she ran. It, it describes her willingness and her zeal and everything that she was called to do. So I want us to know that just like her stuff was documented, yours will be documented too. How you do what God has called you to do really matters. And we don't want to get to heaven and see our works. We've been working in this church and we've been serving our sisters or brothers. And then we get to heaven. And after all that hard work, 
We see that stuff burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. We can't get one stone, one jewel, or one piece of gold for our crowns and whatever else we would need it from um, during that time when our works are judged. So when we are doing these things, God says, yeah, I see. There's always a desire for most of us to be great. Most of us are like, yeah, God, give me that mansion. I'm waiting for it. Yes, God, give me that Benz. Thank you. Yes, God, give me that man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, give me that six-figure income. Yes, we need more money. We want all, we, come on, don't, don't y'all do that to me. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about, okay? Don't do it. Y'all know y'all want all that stuff, all those good things, all those glorious things, all those shiny, sparkly things, right? We want those things. How many of us are saying, "Mm mm-hmm, God, humble me down real low. Yes, God, send me to serve somebody. Yes, God, send me to clean somebody's house. Mm Mm-hmm, yes, I want that season. (laughs) Those seasons are just as important to God as the seasons where you are rewarded. And it's because it's during that time where God is able to pour more character into you. It's in that season where you're able to actually bear more fruit of the spirit. And so when he puts you in that favorite position, position and he puts you in the mansion and he puts you in the bins and you get your big fine man and all that other stuff, right? You maintain integrity. You maintain good character because good character and integrity has always been in you and you demonstrated it and you've humbled yourself and you have abased yourself. Okay. So yes, there is going to come a time in our lives where God is going to say, yeah, you're great. And I see you want all of those things that I'm prophesying to you, but now I need you to serve. No, no, it's not time for you to have that just yet. I need you to serve someone. And I'm not even going to tell you when it's going to end. I just want you to have the mind of a servant. And sometimes we see it in church where we see people who are highly esteemed in ministry and they have people that follow them everywhere they go, that carry their Bibles, uh, who carry their water and do all these things for them. And um, I believe, I, you know, I, let me stop. Okay. And, and it being a tradition, you know what, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to slide over it. I'm going to slide over it because that's what I'm feeling like Jesus is saying. Just don't, don't even. All right. So let's keep going. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Let's turn with me to Mark 9. Mark 9. Let's go there. The ninth chapter of the gospel of Mark as we are learning about servitude to our siblings in Christ. You know, some of us have to serve on our jobs. We're like, God, you know. I don't like this job. I want a different job. I want to be doing something else. And God is like, no, I need you here. I need you here. Um, I had a job where it was so um, intense. I won't say stressful. It was so intense that I would you, I would literally cry. Like I would have to go into the bathroom and cry. That was the job that I was on um, right before the Lord told me to leave work um, for ministry. And um, when I went on that three-year hiatus of learning scripture and really digging deep into prayer and things of that nature, um, that's the job I had. I worked with children and their guidance counselors and their social workers and their doctors. And um, my the, the objective for my job was to enable these children to achieve their IEP goals, okay? So that's why I had to work with all of those people to... Um, tell them this child's progress, to talk about whatever I've documented, 
to really implement these um, these things in this child's life. So let's say whatever that goal is, I needed to work with that child to make sure that goal was accomplished. Okay. And then I had to talk with people about it. That wasn't so stressful. It was everything surrounding why this child needed this individualized education plan that um, made the job intense. And it was some of the emotional issues that these children had that made the job intense for me. So sometimes they were crying and I was crying too. <laughs> they were, you know, going through so much. And um, that was a job that I did and I did it to the best of my ability. I did it with all my heart. And I remember saying, I want to be a guidance counselor so that I can serve in even a greater capacity and really be able to counsel and minister to these children um, because they need people um, who care about them. Okay. Where it's not just a job, but someone actually cares about their life, their future and their well-being and their mental health. Okay. So, um, I wanted to be a guidance counselor. I wanted to serve. I really did. And I thought it was a good thing. So God calling me off of that job. I miss those children so much. So, um, yes. And of course we find ourselves in other seasons of service. So that wasn't even the real one. Okay. That came later, the, the, the real, that, that season, this scriptural season, this prophetic season that I'm talking to you about, that comes later. But um, that's just a, a little example of serving other people. And um, it was such a blessing. And that's what God calls us to do. Um, turn with me. So are we there? Mark 9 and 35, servant of all. Listen to this. And he sat down and called the 12 and saith unto them, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. You know that person who's forgotten about? You know that person who nobody knows? <laughs> I have absolutely felt like that sometimes. Like, God, where am I in the body of Christ, you know? Um, and you all are very important. You all are very lovely. But these are things that I have, I have asked the Lord this. Not often. I don't want y'all to think I'll be in here flipping out. But I have asked him, you know, God... Who am I? Where, where am I? What's going on here? <laughs> and this only came about with the um, separation from the previous ministry. So you see, it was good for me to be separated from that previous ministry because it humbled me some more. Thank you, Jesus. No, you go back to just a few thousand. <laughs> as a matter of fact, where are we now? The, the mailing list has a few thousand. Or as a matter of fact, that mailing list just fluctuates up and down. So no, it doesn't even have a few thousand. And we see where the YouTube channel is at as of today it's at about maybe 1200 it's almost to about 1200 or something like that and going from almost 50,000 to that number you go through a point where you're like does anybody see me like you know I, I really sent this word out by your spirit and like 300 people saw it and and I'm talking about I'm accustomed to you know, 20,000 or maybe 50,000 or maybe 10 or 15,000 people seeing a message going down to it being like 300. Can we thank God for his seasons of humility? Thank you, Jesus. It's so good for us to go through things like that because God forbid I would ever dictate my importance or uh, base my importance upon the amount of people who are listening to me. No, uh-uh. The same, the greatest shall be last of everybody. So you know what? Thank you, Lord, for the couple hundred that hear it. Thank you, Lord, for all the thousands of people who have no idea who I am. 
because right here I am being set up okay to be great in the sight of God even if my channel never um, prospers um, to where it was even if I never have that type of reach again God still considers me great not because of the amount of people um, who I'm reaching but because of my heart in my humility as I reach them because of my servitude as I am reaching them. Okay. Glory to the name of the Lord. So for you all, you want to be first. You want to be great um, to God. You have to serve everyone and you have to be last of everyone. The last is going to be first. It's going to come a time. God tells us this. And it seems like there's a judgment going on when people are getting their reward for the work they, they've done. And the last are actually first. Wow. Glory to God. So if you feel like, you know what, people just don't appreciate me. And we're turning to Mark 10 right now. If you feel like people really don't appreciate me, people really don't know who I am. They don't even know the reason why they're they're not sick. And the reason why they're still here is because I'm praying for them. You know, people don't even know I'm fasting for them. People don't even know I'm out here reading scripture and, you know, praying that they come out of these bad relationships. And I'm praying that their relationship with the Lord becomes stronger and I'm praying for this person, you know, that their health be restored. They don't even know. Nobody knows what I'm doing. The only person who sees me is Jesus. And guess what? That's the only one you need to see you. As we're entering into this Ruth season and as we function in this Ruth season, understand that each season is just a place of transition to the next until we get to that glorious place. Glory to the name of the Lord. We are transitioning on earth from glory to glory. And a part of glory is humility. So in one of your glorious seasons, you're going to have to really humble yourself and serve someone else, okay? And don't y'all start talking about, okay, God, let me get some, let find me somebody to serve, please, so that, you know, I can get to my, my other, my glory, glory, glory season. <laughs> no, no, no. Enjoy every season and learn what you can from it. Do it the right way so that it won't be prolonged. Ooh, because if you're doing it wrong, our God loves you so much. Guess what? He going to wait. For you to get it right. He'll keep you right in that low season until you learn the right heart and the right posture. Glory to God for his sovereign ways. Mark 10, and we're going to start at verse 42. Let's start there. Mark 10 and 42, and it says, but Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. And then Jesus goes on to say, But so shall it not be among you. But whoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Ooh, everybody want to be minister so-and-so, minister this and that. Do we understand that word minister literally means servant? And ministry literally means service. So when you are called... <laughs> To feed someone, to clean for someone, to cook for someone, to sit down and, you know, teach the Bible to a group of people who may not even care about you or esteem you to be anything. Now you're a minister. <laughs> you can be a minister without ever having that certificate in your hand. It's about the, the work associated with it. And then Jesus goes on to say, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Who's the greatest? 
That's the one who's serving everybody, serving everyone that they can. They're helping the elderly across the street. They're baking bread for their neighbors. <laughs> They're looking around for an opportunity to help someone according to the will of God, you all, okay? Verse 45, Jesus says, for even the son of man, he says, listen, even I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And this is what Jesus says, greater love hath no man in this, that he will lay down his life for his friends. And sometimes we're not actually going to be called to a position, thank you, Jesus, where we have to die for people. But we do have to die to our own selves and our desires, our hopes, dreams, and ambitions sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes there are things that we want and things that we are, have been hoping for. And God says, no, I need you to die to that. And I need you to serve. I remember after a long semester, I finally submitted my final term paper. Okay. I had did all my other term papers and we did our final exams and stuff like that. And so this was the last term term paper and I was going over it and I was proofreading it as, and then I got up real quick and I used to, um, and this was like, years ago okay i used to eat this um this vegan pizza called vegan harvest i got it from whole foods it's super good i think it's called vegan harvest or something like that in case anybody wants to try it but anyway i put it in i'm like yeah i got like 10 15 minutes as soon as i'm done proofreading this my hot pizza is coming out i'm sitting down i'm putting my feet up i'm not gonna have to write another paper or read another book or a peer-reviewed article for i don't know how long for the next couple of months i'm chilling but guess what though? Somebody ended up on my line as soon as I hit enter, like send, term paper done. I'm finished for the semester. Someone calls and they're like, Tiffany, I need deliverance. And I was like, for real Jesus? Like, I, I'm not gonna get no break, huh? I mean, cause I know I've been doing deliverance. I know that. And I know I've also been in seminary school too. And like, I know I've been here for everyone who's been calling this ministry phone. And now when I want to have just like a minute to myself, just to like have this little vegan pizza, just to reflect on how good it feels to not have anything to do. You mean to tell me that I have to lay down my little soulish desires my little wants and needs and my plans and i have to serve this person and trust me that deliverance right there that wasn't a a little burp oh thank you tiffany i'm done 20 minutes no that thing went on for hours i heard all about her ancestors like this thing i was in there she ain't even know like that thing was affecting i was all hurt i was crying and everything she couldn't even tell like that was a deep deliverance and i remember when i said okay well my pizza done burnt not really going to be able to enjoy that and it's going to be burnt and cold by the time i get to it but i remember jesus saying that scripture to me when i was thinking like really i so i can't i can't even eat nothing before i start this like and he said, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And you know what? I said, you know what? 
All right, cool. You know, the word of God has a response for everything that we encounter in life. So yes, even in that moment when you feel like, man, I really want to have this time for myself, me and Jesus think about his goodness. God is like, no, we'll have our time. And right now I'm having time with you. You don't even realize it as you are serving. I'm using you to be a blessing to someone else. So go forward and be a blessing to someone else. Okay. So we all go through seasons where we have to die. And that was just an example. That is not like a season. That was just an example of a situation. Okay. But we find ourselves in those seasons where we really do have to lay down our lives and spend our money, spend our time and really serve other people. And of course, this is according to the, the will of God. God will lead you to where he wants you to go and um, who he wants you to be a companion to during this season in your life, okay? Turn with me to the 22nd chapter in Luke, and we're going down to the 25th verse. Thank you, Jesus. Have we ever heard of this before? Honestly, like I've lived it. But I've never heard it taught before. And the Lord has never brought this to me in this manner. Of course, I knew Psalm 101 and 6. That is the scripture that substantiates this thing. But I never looked at it in the context of this is a prophetic season. This is a season where you willingly choose to abase yourself according to the will of God and be a servant to other people. And yes, you may have to have a mop in a bucket. You may have to have a paintbrush. I you I don't know. You may have to be changing pampers and diapers. Like I don't know what God is going to send you to do, but it's in that that space that God is preparing you for the glory that's coming next. Amen. Amen. Wait for it. Wait for it. It may be about three, four, five years. I don't know how long it's going to be, but God knows. Okay. And um, we got to get this. We have to we have to have this season. OK, this season is of the utmost importance because this is the character building season. This is where we lose all sense of entitlement. This is where we realize it's not about us. And this is where we learn to be happy with it not being about us and it being all about someone else. This is where we learn to be happy with um, serving other people. You think about Jesus. Let this mind being you. That was also in Christ Jesus. You, we have to have that same mind of what can I do for someone else and be happy about it, right? What does the scripture say? Look not every man on his own things, but on the things of others. So literally, you know what you need. God is saying, don't focus on your own needs. Start looking around and seeing what you can do for other people. And this is something that... Um, comes to mind when it comes to celebrating holidays. So in our, in the secular culture, you know, people really only remember others during holiday season. So you remember the veterans during veteran on veterans day, and you remember your family on Christmas and you remember to be thankful and fellowship with the people you love on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? You, you remember Jesus and his sacrifice on, I'm going to call it resurrection. Cause I can't, I can't with that name. Um, however, you know, when you don't observe those things and you actually wear the character of scripture, you are thinking about what you can do for the people in your life all year long. You're always thinking, God is always able to speak to you and say, I want you to give this person that. I want you to do this for that person. I want you to show this person compassion. I want you to provide this for this individual. I want you to call this person and tell them that they're doing a good job. I want you to call this one and pray for them. I want you to send some flowers to that person in a card to this person. God will have you do that. So 
for the people who are in my life, nobody ever really feels like they're missing anything from, you know, me not celebrating those holidays because all year round, I show them and tell them how important they are to me by the things that I do for them. And no, that's not even a part of my service. Okay. That's not a part of that prophetic season. That's just character where God says, don't just look on what you have. Look on the things of others. Sometimes we need to realize that we're doing a good job in our lives. Sometimes we're not compassionate enough with ourselves. But also we should be able to look at other people and say, you know what, sis, you're doing really good. You know what, my brother, you are really doing good. I see how you're taking care of your family. God bless you. You know what, my brother, I see you, how you've been serving the Lord, how you sacrifice everything. I pray the Lord multiplies all that back to you. You don't know how important those words are. Those words are a gift. Just having that character all year long and not just during certain seasons, okay? So are we at Luke 22 verse 25? Let's go there. It says, and he said unto them, the kings of the Gentile, and I feel like this is a little more detailed than what we saw, saw in Mark. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be like that. You shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief as he doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. It's not the man that sitteth at meat greater, <laughs> but I am among you as he that serveth. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Thank you, Jesus. And I appoint you, um, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father hath appointed unto me. And I'm going to stop there. But we thank God. We thank the Lord that we are following his example. We're being faithful to him as we've seen his example of the various temptations that he went through, trial circumstances that he experienced, um, various hardships, people tempting him, people coming against him. We literally are bearing with Christ as his disciples through those things. And we're experiencing those things in our lives. And we are here as those who serve yes the people who are sitting at meat reclining at the table being served those are the chiefs those are the greatest ones and god is saying i'm here as your servant and god still desires to serve but he wants to use you to do it okay he wants to use you to work miracles you know he wants his spirit all in you healing the sick and open opening blind eyes but can you imagine that the spirit of the living god is inside of you desiring to serve his children through you so let's think about it in that regard that god is in us and he wants to serve this pleasant this sweet this beautiful individual who's pleasant and sweet and beautiful to him regardless of what other people think about them this is how he looks at them and he's inside of me and he wants to show them love and servitude and he's he wants to he wants to do this through me because i've been faithful to him and um what's the other one i have walked perfect before him isn't that something so like i was saying at the beginning it's an honor for the lord to choose you to serve someone amen and we're going to close it off with john 13 okay so turn with me there to john the 13th chapter verses 12 through 16 john 13 12 through 16 I'm going to give you a minute to go there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't we glorify God for the Ruth season when we are taking care of somebody else? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, when it's not all about us. I'm sure it's been all about us long enough. Thank you, Jesus. 
Um, now God needs us to get out of that mindset where it's all about us. It's all about, you know, all the, the time I want to be able, I want to be able to spend six hours in prayer. Jesus, I don't want to be able to, and the God is like, no, no, no. I need you to calm yourself down, abase yourself and go pray when you can. In between that time you serve, you serve your children, you serve your husband, you serve your mother-in-law, you serve your sister in Christ, you serve your brother in Christ, you serve your bishop and you serve your pastor. Serve, do what you can to serve, okay? John 13, and we're starting at verse 12, and it says, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Listen to this. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And he says, if ye know these things, happy are you if you do them. Wow. Can we let that marinate for a minute? Can we let, this is Jesus Christ. This is God himself sitting down, speaking to his disciples of whom we are. Thank you, Lord. And he says, do you know what I've done for you? You call me master and Lord, and I am. And your master and your Lord has gotten down on his knees and washed your feet. He says, I have gotten down as low as possible and washed your feet. I have done a task that is um, menial. I have done what the, the lowest of servants would do. Okay, the good servants are getting your food. The good servants are, you know, tending to the cattle, but the lowest ones are on their knees, getting dusty themselves, washing your feet. He says, and I'm your Lord. I'm your master. He's our savior. And this is what he's done. And he tells us why he did it. He said, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Okay, so I just want to pause right here and encourage you. Do what God is calling you to do. If you see that someone has a need, fill that need. If you see that someone needs to have some type of companionship, be there for them. You just don't know what your presence in their life, if it's for an hour, if it's for two years, is going to do for them and also for you on judgment day. I remember a time where I was like really sad and it was a few years ago um, and I went out to take a walk, okay? I was like losing like a friendship or something like that and I felt really bad about it at that time. I had to give it up and I remember I was taking this walk and there was this little elderly lady like if she was an angel, I wouldn't even be surprised, but I don't, I don't know if she was though. <laughs> but anyway, um, she was this little elderly lady. She was super cute. Okay. And she had like three dogs with her. Um, and so I am pretty friendly, you know, and, but she was super friendly and she invited me to walk with her and I'm like, okay. 
And I remember saying out loud, like, God knows just what you need. Because I'm like walking by like a river by myself, you know, like by a stream. It's I love like the woods and stuff like that, y'all. So I'm out by like a stream and stuff like that, just walking. And this little elderly lady, she just comes up to me and she was so sweet and she invites me to walk with her. And I was so happy to have a companion just for that time. And she took me to what became one of my favorite places on earth. It became, she, first of all, I, I had a hard time keeping up with her, okay? She looked like she was, she was definitely in her 80s. She said she had just lost her husband. But let me tell you something. She was like hopping over streams. She was all dressed appropriately, had her like sports sneakers on, hiking boots, whatever. She's like on the narrow little curve going around like high heels. I won't call them mountains. We weren't in the mountains. <laughs> She's like going over tree branches and explaining what kind of flowers I'm seeing. She's like, oh, that flower right there. It's this, that, and third. Like, she was so awesome. And I really needed her companionship at that time. And I often went back to that place. I never saw her again. We exchanged numbers. She knew all about my favorite restaurant and everything she had frequented there because she said her adopted grandson was Ethiopian. And so she was white. And so clearly she has white children, but she says they want him to be um, accustomed to or acquainted with rather his culture, the culture that, you know, his family comes from. So they would take him to the Ethiopian restaurant that I rave about called Desta. And that was in Atlanta. So she knew all about Desta. She knew all about Injera. Um, and it was like a really good connection and a really good conversation. And I just really felt like I needed that at that moment. So all that to say, you don't know how God is going to use you to be a blessing to someone, to brighten someone's day, to put a smile on someone's face and be a good memory in that person's life. Okay. I will always remember how awesome she was. And I will always remember what a blessing she was to me in her late eighties, walking faster than me, hiking. Like, I mean, she went in, y'all don't even understand. She went in. Okay. She was so cool. So, um, that's like an example. You don't know how God is going to call you to serve, but he will. Okay. He will call you to serve. And it may just to provide, be to, excuse me. It may just be to provide companionship to someone. It may be to go and actually serve someone for some time. Either one is great. And quite frankly, we should exercise that um, character and do all of those things. And I do believe God will call all of his children into that type of prophetic season. Um, I have definitely experienced that. And it is one of the most glorious times of my life. And if God ever calls me into that type of season again, absolutely. Yes, I'm running. Thank you, Lord. So remember the, the, the last of all. And the servant of all is the greatest to the Lord. So um, God leaves us the example of servitude that he wants us to follow. And he tells us, listen, you're not greater than me. I've sent you. So you know you're not greater than the one who sent you. And I have gotten down and washed y'all's feet. Okay. So what do you need to do for someone else? And he says, if you know these things, if you know this, because now you know, he says, happy are you if you do them. You will find happiness. You will find joy. Um, you will find um, whatever voids are in your life being fulfilled 
are being filled if you do this, if you humble yourself and serve others. So this is just our introduction to Ruth. Who knew that her name meant all that? And who knew that her life was providing us insight into a season that God will call everyone who he has called into greatness, um, servitude. Before we can reach that, that what we would esteem as greatness, he calls us to really humble ourselves, And that is what God looks at and says, now this is great. This is that good season, that cave season that David had with all those men who went to him. Yeah, that that was the good season. That was the good season. So I thank you all for listening to this. I pray the Lord bless, blesses you and I pray that he directs you to where he wants you to be. And I pray that you're a blessing to someone or some family or some church. And um, remember that this life is not all about you, but it's about other people and the way you can touch them. And no, you don't have to be in a pulpit to touch someone. You can be in a grocery store. You can be walking, um, you know, by a stream and just so happen to touch someone's life for the rest of their life. Or um, some of us are called to um, give up our our, our living situations and go and help other people and move with other people and be of service to them. God bless you if that's what you are doing. I want you to know you're, you're Boaz. <laughs> we, you, you will know Jesus as kinsman and redeemer because of what you're doing right now. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. You will know him in those ways. Okay. And I pray that all of the blessings of the Lord just overtake you. And I believe they will. Remember, Happiness is your portion and happy are you if you do those things that um, God has called you to do and you serve. I pray that you find your happiness in your joy and being humble and not being glorified by everybody and oh so popular and well known and super rich in a super fly mansion. Okay. All right. I love you all. God bless you all. Amen.